Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis, and Tom Terrace. Welcome one and all. Good to be hey, here. Good to be here. Awesome. Dave. Awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles and turn to John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. We're going to break open the bread of life and see how the Lord wants to speak to us this day from His Word, the Word that gives life. So Rob, before we do that, do you invite mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life? All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your, your, your patience. Thank you for calling each one of us by name. Thank you for the gift of our, our baptism, that we are your sons and daughters. Help us to, to never take that for granted. Help us to each day grow, uh, grow deeper in our relationship with you. Help us to take one step closer each day. And we ask you, Lord, to please uh, just to guide us and to protect us as we prepare for Mass this coming Sunday and as we break open the gospel that we will hear. Uh, just, let it, um, just let it grow in our hearts. Let it grow in our hearts to a point where uh, your love is just pouring out of, of, of our hearts and, and our conversations and our glances and our smiles and our good words and our good deeds. Uh, and we ask you, please, Lord, to, to bless and protect every single person that's listening today, all of their families, their friends, all their special intentions. We place them all into your beautiful, sacred heart. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 And Tom, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today? Sure. This is a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw, out, draw some out now, and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. 
I love when we read scripture and something jumps out at us. And I circled twice here in this reading, Mother of Jesus, Mother of Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes our separated brothers and sisters that aren't Catholic say to us that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, and so Mary had other children. But that's not a correct truth, because the Bible itself only tells us of Mary having one child, and that child being Jesus. And here it's identified twice, mother of Jesus, mother of Jesus. It doesn't say anywhere else that any other children are identified specifically with Mary. And as Catholics, we understand that from our understanding of Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant and so many other things that are deeply embedded in the roots of sacred scripture. But it's fascinating because we only go by the Bible, which is what our separated brothers and sisters do. You know, the question back is, how many children does the Bible say specifically Mary had? And the answer to that question is right here, one. The Bible identifies Jesus, that Mary is the mother of Jesus multiple times throughout scriptures, never another child. So that's fascinating as we as Catholics understand that the roots of our faith are found deep, deep, deep within both the Old and the New Testament within the Bible. We are a Bible church. It is the nourishment, the Word of God that feeds us and makes us who we are. So it's beautiful as we continue to delve into the depths of our faith as Catholics that, you know, we come to understand those truths in our heart and then share them with love and humility. Not I'm right, you're wrong, but love and humility. And remember, Jesus always taught by asking questions. So I asked him the question, how many children in the Bible, or does it specifically say, that Mary has. And there's only one identified, and that's Jesus. Beautiful. I remember one time in a, uh, in a homily, the, there was a, a deacon that was preaching that day, and, and at the end of the homily, he said, and for those of you who are, are married, um, don't run out with the wine, but pray, right? So like, you know, the wine ran out, the party could have been over, and, and sometimes in in our relationships, whether we're married or not, all of our relationships, sometimes the wine runs out and we need, we need Jesus to, um, to, to, um, give us some new wine, right? Whether it's, uh, with our brother or sister or friend or husband or wife or mom or dad, uh, the wine runs out and we need Jesus to, uh, to give us that new wine. And through the intercession of his mother, if we pray that prayer of, of, you know, just asking Mary, to bring these relationships and any difficulties to her son. I mean, Jesus is in the relationship business. That's all it's about, is relationship. He wants us to have a relationship with the Father. Um, and Mary wants nothing more than all of us to, to come home to heaven, to, uh, to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, anytime you have relationship problems, it's, uh, let's, let's go to mom to get some help. And I love her example here, Rob, because she doesn't fix it. She realizes and be, is told and made aware of a problem. And then as, a, as the model disciple for each and every one of us to follow, she takes that need to Jesus. That's our calling. Take the need, intercede for our friends and family members to Jesus. And then I love what her words are, her final words of scriptures. Back to the servant, she says, do whatever he tells you. And that for me has such a deep meaning because I love my wife. She always goes to the word of God when she gives me counsel, always, because she is doing exactly what Jesus's mother Mary did, do whatever he tells you. So we 
go to sacred scripture to understand how do I answer this from a biblical standpoint? What is the Bible telling me? Because the Bible is the word of God. Jesus is that word made flesh. So, you know, again, beautiful example of Mother Mary here, the model disciple of Jesus Christ, the first disciple of Jesus Christ. She takes the needs of the servants. She doesn't fix it. She doesn't say, this is my opinion. She takes it to Jesus and then comes back with the great counsel. Do whatever he tells you. And that's where it's so important to make sure we continue to consume the word of God so that we can share those words that Christ wants to share. His words, his words. Yeah, I think, too, we uh, we just came through the uh, Christmas season. We just wrapped that up last week and and uh, where we spent a great deal of time, particularly in Advent, reflecting on the words of um, our Blessed Mother in the Magnificat and in her her yes to the angel um, during the, uh, the Annunciation. And here we have another situation where, and it happens to be, these are the last words that we have recorded um, by Mary in the Scripture. Uh, and so this is what, she, you know, this is another thing for us to reflect on and kind of ponder in, in our hearts about, she says, do whatever he tells you. And then that's the last thing that we hear from her in the Scriptures. So it's kind of like her parting words to us as her children are, do whatever he tells you. So it's a great, it's a beautiful thing to be left with. I mean, we've gotten some beautiful um, you know, quotations from her and beautiful lines to reflect on. And this is just another one of them. And it's kind of the capstone is because this is what it comes down to is when we get right down to it, you know, we can make our, make our yes, say our yes to Jesus. You know, we can praise him. We can be, you know, we can uh, lift ourselves up to the Lord. And But eventually we have to do whatever he tells us. And that's what it comes down to. So and the one word that jumped out at me, it just as if no other words were there was concern. It just... It, that just really hit me, that word concern, when she says, uh, when Jesus says, how does your concern affect me? So we could see that the waiters had a problem, and the Blessed Mother listened to them. You know, she heard their problem. She took in their concern and brought it to Jesus, and then she turned around and told them what to do, you know, do whatever he says. So to me, it's like a great example to, you know, listen when someone enters my day or something and has a problem to listen to them, you know, and listen to their concern and how can I help them? Maybe I can help them, but I can at least maybe ask the Holy Spirit inside, what should I say? What should I do? And just like the Blessed Mother kind of did that when she went to her son, you know, and said, there's a problem here, you know, so she heard those guys. And I used to be a waiter and I can imagine how crazy, I know how crazy it is it can be sometimes when there's problems and stuff and you don't want any, you want everything to run smoothly. And, um, you know, I, so I could sympathize with them as, to, you know, and going to her is an example to me that, you know, if I have a, a problem, I can go to the Blessed Mother and she'll listen to my concern and then I'll do whatever she says. And most likely it's, you know, pray to my son or, you know. Yeah, listen to his words. What's the Bible telling you to yeah. do? Yeah. Beautiful. And you you picked up something on a line there that, that I read the whole line, and it says, think about Jesus saying this to his mother. Woman, how does your concern affect me? Now, I know if I called my mother woman, that would be a problem. <laughs> that would be a problem. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, help me understand this, because Jesus can't call his mother woman in a disrespectful manner, because that'd be breaking one of the Ten Commandments to honor your father and mother. So help me understand this spiritually. And boy, it's like the Lord unveiled it for me. 
Jesus was not calling his mother woman. He was identifying and naming her woman. The promised woman in Genesis 3.15 that would conceive of a son that would be basically the one who would come and defeat Satan. She was the promised woman. So Christ, in that calling of woman, he was doing what the first Adam did. The first Adam, when he first saw Eve, called her what? Woman. We also know from sacred scripture that Jesus is the last Adam. So he is the new Adam that calls Mary, the new Eve, woman. He identifies who she is and and her role in salvation history. Because God put enmity between the woman and her seed, which is Christ. That enmity is a total separation from Satan and sin, a protection by God, same as her son Jesus had. So as we learn this as Catholics, we're like, oh, I see it now. I see now how, you know, Mary is that woman who gave her, yes, her be it done to me according to your word, I'm a, the handmaid of the Lord. And so, and then what else happens here? So Christ identifies, Jesus identifies that his mother is the woman. And then when he performs the first miracle, and it says here, you know, that he's beginning of his signs. When he performed that first sign, that first miracle, he revealed at the request of his mother who he was, that he was the Messiah, he was the Christ, he was the promised one. That all happened in this little short reading in these passages. Christ revealed who he was and who Mary was, the woman, the promised woman. And I, I can confirm, David, that um, your sense that uh, that if you would call your mother woman, that that would be a problem. Earlier this week, I was in a gospel reflection with a group of women, and the very first comment when we after we read this gospel was, I wonder why Jesus was like that. It almost sounds insulting to his mother. So I, I can tell you that is a com- common interpretation. But the other thing that I was I was wondering, uh, and, and I, I mean, I have an idea about where, you know, he says, woman, how does your concern affect me? But then he says, my hour has not yet come, which seems kind of firm. And then she says, do whatever he tells you. And then he's persuaded to go ahead and act anyway. So to me, my my reflection on that is that, you know, is that God has his timetable, but he's so merciful, is so part of his nature that he can be persuaded, you know, if there's a concern, if there's a, if there's a deep concern and it's, uh, and it's in something that is significant, he can be persuaded to, to change his timetable. But I don't know. If, I mean, that's a reflection. It's kind of a, a thought, you know, from my, from my own heart. I don't know that that's a, a proper interpretation of it. But it does seem as if he was, you know, my hour's not yet come. And then he goes ahead and acts anyway. So it, it's almost like the mercy of God, you know, that he can be persuaded to, to act, even though it may not be the timetable, but, you know, you're my kid and I'm going to take care of you anyway. You know, so. Well, you know what, Tom, I think you're... you're, you're opinion is biblical because there's a story of a man that comes late at night to the door knocking on the door wanting bread from the man who's in bed and sleep right and the guy's like i'm not getting up to get you bread and the the guy persists and jesus breaks open that parable to show that we're supposed to knock to seek to ask and don't stop persevere in requesting because you're right god the father he doesn't want to deny us 
But boy, I think he takes great joy when we persevere in those prayers and those intercessory prayers for those in need. Man, you're right. It goes, it pierces his heart. It pierces his heart. You know, and I, I looked at this also and, you know, it's a beautiful, this first part of the passage is a prefigurement of Mary's eternal role in heaven. Because if we go back to 2 Kings, we read about the Geburah, the queen mother, and her role to intercede for the people, the servants, the people of the kingdom to the king. Well, we know that Mary is the Geburah, the queen mother, because her son Jesus is king. So in the Davidic kingdom, always the mother was the queen mother, the Geburah, because the king had many wives back in the day of David, but only had one queen mother, one mother. And so that's who Mary is, and that's why she's depicted in Revelations 12 as a woman with a crown of 12 stars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, and so here as we just read this, we understand this is a prefigurement of Mary's eternal role as the queen mother. She's, that's why in, in Revelations 12, she's depicted as her feet on a moon. Why? Because the moon, like the sun, when we look up in the sky, is devoid of life, but yet reflects the light of the sun. Well, that's Mary. She, her whole power, everything about Mary comes from Jesus Christ. Same with us. We can do nothing if God doesn't do it through us. Okay, we have nothing without him. So again, beautiful, beautiful depiction of Mother Mary's heavenly role as the Geburah, the Queen Mother. Man, let's knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. Let's ask Mary to intercede for us. Jesus commands us to pray for one another. Mary is a member of the body of Christ, triumphantly part of those who have gone to heaven. Let's call out. Jesus, when he was baptized, says the heavens were opened. They're open to us at our baptism to call out to the saints that have gone before us, the angels in heaven, to get access to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And guess what? To the Holy Family, Mother Mary, St. Joseph, pray for us. Amen. And, and, and you look at the, uh, the use of wine, and I, and I reflect back on my life that there are so many periods of time where I was going after something that I thought was going to make me happy, right? Whether it was school and getting good grades or, or excelling in sports or later on in work, getting the next promotion or making money or whatever. Right? You're striving after that which the world tells you will make you happy. And then you get it. And guess what? You want the next thing, <laughs> right? And then you get that. Oh, you want, you want to get the next thing, right? So the world is... is Given this buffet, right? We'll just call it wine, you know, just to you know, stick with the, the the word in the gospel. So the world has this buffet out of wine that the world is telling you, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. This is going to make you happy. Nah, nah, nah. This is really going to make you happy. No, man. This. Try this one. This is really going to make you happy. So you try it. And you try it and try it. And I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it all. And. When you're going through it, like, well, yeah, okay, this is kind of fun, or this is all right, but then you always want the next thing. You're always left empty. And at the pinnacle of, of this trying the world's wine, um, you know, I was on a small group, a small team of people that we were organizing a meeting for 3,000 people in San Francisco for five days, and we had $5 million to spend. So you can have a lot of fun. $5 million, five days, uh, 3,000 people. So we did it. We did it all. We, you know, air, rented an aircraft carrier, had bands, and you know, we had meetings, obviously, but it was one big party. I was so empty. 
I had money, I had position, I had power, you know, in, in, in the organization. I had everything that the world says would make you happy and fulfilled. I was never alone, but I was so lonely. In the midst of those 3,000 people at this huge meeting, this big party, I felt so lonely. And then a little bit of time went on. God was working on my heart. And for the first time, I finally said yes to him. I finally said my yes, accepted him into my heart, started having a relationship with him. And then I left that big job with all the people and went to another situation where there was only five people in the whole company. I was the only sales and marketing guy, and I was traveling all over the country, every week a different city. Um, never, I was always alone, but never lonely, right? Always alone, but never lonely because I had Jesus. I finally had the wine that he wanted to give me, the wine of his love, of his peace, of his joy, of his contentment, that this wine that he's been, was trying to give me that I was, you know, all the, all the searching before I was going after him, right? Just seeking him in all the wrong places. But the wine that he wanted to give me, I finally received and said yes and received and tasted. And uh, through his grace, he just, you know, removed desires from my heart for, for the things of the world and, and just planted a desire in my heart for him. And that wine that you're mentioning, it made me, made me look at this when he, so they filled, and it filled it to the brim. So like Jesus saves us completely and like he fills the, the water to the brim, but empties his blood on the cross, you know, for us. It's like he goes all in, you know, he's not like half hearted. He doesn't, fill, he doesn't give you a bottle of wine. It's like six full jugs <laughs> and he dies on the cross. He pours out every last yes. drop for us, that amen. wine that touched you, you know. Amen, amen. You know, and it's fascinating because this is actually kind of a prefigurement of the Eucharist because here he changes water into wine and people go, wow, that's a miracle. But Jesus shows us something else. Because he tells us in John chapter 6, verse 51, I believe it is, that the bread that he will give us is his flesh for the life of the world. Jesus gave us his flesh. He's telling us that flesh will be the bread. And then he demonstrates that as a priest does at every Catholic mass. He takes bread at the Last Supper, the Paschal meal. He takes bread and he breaks it and says, this is my body. This is my body, this bread. And that's why in Revelations, Jesus is pictured as a lamb as if slain. Why? Because he is continually feeding us that bread of life, which he tells us he's the bread of life, come down from heaven, that bread of life in the Eucharist every day at every Catholic Mass through the gift of that priest and his yes. In persona Christi, Christ is working through that priest to represent for us represent for us what took place at that table, at the Paschal meal, at the Last Supper, where he broke the bread. And then he said the blessing over the cup. He said, this is my blood. He changed wine, not water into wine, but wine into his very blood. Why? Because he wants to give us everything he is. Body, blood, soul, and divinity fully so he can impregnate us with his very self so that he can course through our body, his blood, purging from us anything that is of the world. That realization blew my mind, you know, and it's like, wow. And to think that God will do this for us 
and that we as Catholics have this ability to receive him completely, that one flesh union at the Mass in the Eucharist, I want to go every day. I want to go more than once. But they say once a day. You could go twice, but once a day. But you know what? It's all prefigured in the Old Testament. They gave, he supplied the bread for enough for one day. And it's like, wow, Lord. But now you're giving us the bread of life, which is what? Your flesh, which you gave for the life of the world, which is why in the book of Revelations, Jesus isn't pictured as this, you know, you know, this royal king. In the one scene, he's pictured as a lamb, as if slain, because he's continuing to feed us. His, he's called the Paschal Lamb in Scripture. That body, blood, soul, and divinity through the gift of the bread of life, which is the Eucharist. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, if you ever do the math on this on this miracle here with the wine, I mean, this is a lot of wine. This is, you know, this is upwards to 180 gallons of wine here we're talking about. So, and there's two things. I mean, um, the um, mystics have pulled out the fact that the, the wine being the life of Christ, you know, symbolically is in abundance. And then the other thing is that Jesus is the true bridegroom here. I mean, he's the bride, the bridegroom usually supplies the wine and he's supplying the wine here. But then... Uh, in combination with the um, Song of Songs, where there's a section that refers to the bridegroom taking his bride, his beloved, into the wine cellar, then the mystics have taken this and taken that and really drawn that, that whole relationship between the bride and the bridegroom in, our, in his relationship with our soul, that he takes us into the wine cellar and you know, there's an abundance of wine of his life and that, that we there we are betrothed and married and and uh, and then we live we live with the bridegroom. So uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more we could go into with this because it takes us into a, another whole area of, you know, the wine as being the divine life, you know, and, and that there's an abundance of it. It's for us. It's there for us. You know, we just need to we just need to go with the bridegroom to the wine. Right. And, you know, my one friend, and I forget the word that's in the Bible that tells this, but he said that word means to marinate, to marinate in his in his uh, flesh and his blood, to marinate so that when people meet us, we are so the essence of Christ to them that they start to believe and they want to get to know him. And that's really what it's all about. As we continue to consume this, what we're doing today, the word of God into us, we become more and more and more Christ-like. The more we consume of the Eucharist every day, the more we're given the spiritual food to become more and more and more Christ-like. And that's our calling. That's what we are as Christians, Christ-bearers, to be in the world, to bring Christ the light of the world into the darkness. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, ask the Lord to help you to see, to hear, and to respond to his invitation to the Eucharist and that heavenly banquet. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-7000. 
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.